Welcome to Winnie Tales. I'm your host, Julianne Neal, and we're here with Bruce Anderson and friends with all of our favorite horse stories, pony legends, and unicorn yarns. Tune in each week to hear from Bruce with a Nature's View training tip, as well as conversations with some of our favorite horse lovers. Remember, the joy's in the ride. So the joke to all of this is Julian's trying to find the right moment. So all the noise from around, whether it be the logging trucks or the neighbors coming down their yard on the gravel driveway. <laughs> and then she finally finds a moment. And then what should happen? But the rooster will crow. That's okay. So it's like, no, because she wants to at least start off quietly. Well, the rooster, the nature sounds are fine with me. I was just trying to bypass the logging truck and, and get us started. Good morning. We are here on the back porch again, and welcome to Winnie Tales. I'm your host, Julianne Neal, and we're here with Bruce Anderson. And um, we're going to talk a little bit today about Nature's View and the Marley Project. Nature's View is the original business that Bruce and I started gosh he started it like 20 years ago and then I came on board and um, we've we've been working here in Camden South Carolina for over a decade and um, we just revamped the nonprofit which is the Marley project <laughs> a few years back and um, we're gonna keep on going because it sounds so much better with the nature sounds than it does in the in the inside so Bruce would you talk a little bit about first of all nature's view and why you decided to start the business I know I know you've mentioned already about long ago getting going with round pin work and that sort of thing but what was it that made you decide that this was something you wanted to offer to the community I guess the main thing was I saw in the early days what it had done for me um, it sort of started after my mother's passing. I was managing a show barn here in Camden, and actually we were on the road up north when it happened, and um, flew home and went through that process and got back on the plane, went right back to work. Never really had a time to sort of grieve um, and something like a month and a half later when we got back home off the road, um, I think it started hitting me. And that's when I decided that's it, I'm done. Got to the point to where you just wanted to go in the bush. You're done. But I couldn't run away because I had a dog and a horse to look after. And to me, it was like running away from everybody around me. Now I know different, but at the time you didn't. And so therefore... Um, because of the dog on the horse, I realized I need to keep working. So I decided I was going to freelance. I don't care what I did, but I wanted to sort of work still with horses. So I sort of got in touch with different people around the place that had horses and let them know that, you know, if they need anything done to let me know. But what was interesting about that time was a friend of mine had given me this book, um, written by a guy called Monty Roberts, which introduced me to the round pen. Um, but being 6'4", and I don't know how much I weighed at the time, you know, starting horses, or what I, we called back then, breaking horses, was something that I enjoyed doing. What I found was 
and adding the ramp into the equation made a difference. Not that I really had a system um, at the time in working horses in the ramp end, but it was funny at that time how things started falling into place because then I met this this lady that had five horses that she wanted, i.e. broke. Um, and it was so funny because she had just built this incredible round pen. So in those early days, that's where it all started. My goal was to help horses to survive in the world we've created, as opposed to the world we've created for, you know, nature's world, people's world. And as I started working with these five horses, I suddenly realized that horses didn't have problems. Horses had people problems. And then from there, I realized that, therefore, it wasn't the horse, but it was me. But then as we continued along this journey, I realized that I didn't have problems. I had other people's problems, which created a problem within me. So that's how how this journey sort of started. I did not choose this journey per se. I sort of fell upon it. And my story is and always will be that I feel that my mother was the one that put me on this, this path. And through this path, this is, I didn't come up with the word nature's view. What happens on this journey, because I didn't learn it really from anybody, um, I had done a three-day symposium with a guy called John Lyons, and I feel that you pick up pieces from these different people, but to me, my teacher was the horse. So this, this journey started, and the name that came up for it was Nature's View. And of course, that was during the time when you had natural horsemanship, et cetera, et cetera. So of course, they wanted to know, was this natural horsemanship? And I never felt that that was... That was not really sort of what it was. I, I never felt it was natural horsemanship, although in a sense it's sort of along those lines um, in the sense of it was natural, but it was not natural horsemanship. And it was many, many years went by, you know, it said things like gentling, which was, again, yes, that's what we were doing. But the word that finally stuck or came to be was natural humanship because I realized that what I'm doing is not training horses but the key word here is in training horses what I was doing is actually working on myself and in a sense I wasn't really training horses what I was doing was helping horses to help themselves so the difference was I was empowering horses to help themselves to deal with the pressures created by this false world we have created. And at the same time, to be able to help the horse, I first had to be humane to myself. It's so funny because everybody is trying to sort of like make this big effort to help the environment, but they're not realizing that before you can help the environment to the extent that you need to help the environment, you first have to help yourself, recalibrate yourself. And although there are all these self-help books, um, the piece that's missing is nobody's working on the mental tools to the extent that you need to. So when you mention mental tools, what are you talking about? 
what I'm talking about is basically habits. If you stop and think about it, when a situation happens, like in your past, when you look at situations that were traumatic to you, one would most probably think that there's a seen, seen thing was a cause of it. Somebody did something, something physically hurt you. And you perceive that that's why we have the problems that we have or the trauma that we have. But if you stop and really think about it, it wasn't the seen thing that was a problem, but the pressure created by the seen thing. And every day we are encountering pressure. Hey guys, I am Rosalind, the owner of Clear Day Spa and also a sponsor here on Winnie Tales. And I'm just hanging out here with Winston, giving him a little groom down with some Espana silk. And boy, oh boy, does this stuff smell good. So uh, if you ever are in, are in Camden, South Carolina, don't hesitate to come by Clear Day Spa for a massage. Or if you would like an intuitive reading on something from your past, you can also go to my website and book one up there. So, you know, going all the way back to those early days of, of you working and um, helping people with their horses, was were, were any of the people coming for the self-help kind of thing, or was it mostly horse work in the beginning? It, it, was, it was mainly horse work, because in those early days, what was interesting about it was, after going down this path and this system evolving, nature's view, and... I saw that this worked uh, really well to, to help horses to help themselves survive in the world we've created or the pressure created by the world we've created. I thought I was done. And then I suddenly realized, well, hang on. If I'm truly going to help horses, if I show how horses can help us because I see how it's helping me change some of my behaviors, I then truly have helped horses. Because during that journey, I met this lady called Mrs. Lloyd. Now, Mrs. Lloyd was quite a little character here in Camden. Um, <laughs> elderly lady, um, supposedly fairly well-to-do, but you wouldn't have known it by the lifestyle that she led. And I remember going, having the need to go visit her one time. And the first thing that she asked me was... What are the three things basically that you, your body needs to have without them? You're literally dead. So I gave her my answer. And of course, it wasn't the correct answer um, that she was looking for. And because of that, I suddenly realized that this piece that she has shared with me is the crucial piece that allows me to prove why horses are more important than ever before more so to me than even before the Industrial Revolution. Because when you work with a horse using the system, nature's view in the round pen, which is actually not a round pen, but a metaphor of our world. So every exercise we do with the person, it's almost as if you are living a whole lifetime and at the same time working on being in the moment. If you stop and think about it, in doing a particular task, there are a number of different frames to accomplish a particular task. To actually accomplish that frame, your mental tools have to be equal or greater than. 
So we have this exercise where we start placing flags to signify certain points. And it, it goes from trying to find the middle, i.e. get to the end, to forget about the end. You're learning how to be in the moment, and therefore, in learning how to be in the moment, you're then able to place the flag where it needs to be, not where you're trying to let it tell you. So because of one of the pieces that I call the negative positive pool, this is now allowing you to find the spot where is the most impeccable spot for that moment. So the cool thing to me is when you talk about those kind of exercises for people, you actually started off with a, a complete system and activities for horses. So the stick work, the bridge work and all that. So maybe in a few minutes we can talk a little bit about that. I'm Bruce Anderson and you're listening to Winnie Tales, the official podcast of Nature's View and the Marley Project. Well, I think it's kind of neat to think back on the beginning of the business, but then also to think back on the beginning of the nonprofit. And I can remember when Marley was born and we were trying to pick a name. What is your thought on the name that you came up with? What do you mean, why Marley? Because mm-hmm. of the famous Bob Marley. Were you kidding me? <laughs> Unlike your crazy idea. Well, I knew your island roots would come out with that. Actually, I initially thought of Marley as the Marley horses that are the statues at the Louvre Museum in Paris. But yeah, I think that was a good compromise because I think we started out with Beetlebug or some other <laughs> weird names or well, whatever. But um, you know, my answer to that is I don't remember. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, but um, so Marley became the um, focus of the nonprofit, and I'd like to talk a little bit about why because that shaped what we do. Well, to me. Marley goes back to the movie The Black Stallion. In the movie The Black Stallion, there's a scene where the little boy is riding the horse through the water with no bridle, anything on. And that horse, literally, that he was riding was a horse called Castle which is actually Marley's great-great-grandfather. Literally. Marley's father, or the sire, if we talk horse terms, um, is a horse called... Um, Magi. Magi. And Magi's grandfather is Castle Ole. So to me, I, I see it as, well, I see the work as people getting in touch with their humanity, back in touch with nature. So I see the books where I always thought that this would be a continuance to the movie The Black Stallion, to where the kids will come out. And do the work with Marley, get in touch with their humanity, uh, pick up the three pieces, that sort of thing. And then, from that experience, they are going to then um, write their story of their encounter with Marley. So, in a sense, they're coming to help me, to help Marley, to help himself survive in the world we've created. And in so doing, you know, the story of the Black Stallion continues through Marley. And how here Marley's taking the kids on a journey of self-discovery to where it's not about them writing their story, but in writing their story, you know, they're working on the mental tools, listening and hearing, discipline, work ethic, 
and then the picture is to tell this particular story you have in the head and so therefore you know they're putting this down on paper so yeah it's all about empowerment and finding their authentic self and through writing they're practicing all these tools and mm-hmm. it's not the writing, but the pressure created by the writing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and as a teacher, I can tell you, we don't focus on creative writing enough. Um, I'm in a school district. We're an arts in the basic curriculum school district. And um, we, we have art, music, drama, and dance as four of our arts areas that we do focus on. But creative writing is the fifth one. And it's just hard because... We're, we're so busy teaching other things. So any, any way at all to add creative writing to the mix has been great. And this has been a really awesome catalyst for some creative projects. The, the initial one that I'm really proud of is a little book called Finding Alpha, which is similar to Are You My Mother, where the animals in the barnyard all answer questions and that sort of thing. And in this one, they're trying to figure out what alpha is. Marley's going off to help people find alpha. Because to me, it's like, you know, the old old story of, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for the day, teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Well, I take it and twist it. You know, instead of giving them a fish or teaching them how to fish, because to me, when you're teaching them how to fish, you're teaching them to be tyrant. Instead of that, teach them how to be alpha, where your mental tools are equal or greater than the pressure created by a situation. And therefore, you're able to stay in the moment and do the situation. And so, become your authentic self. Exactly. And, and it's neat to be able to introduce some of the terminology behind nature's view to the kids because, you know... Anything that we can get into them at an early age, the more the better. So alpha, tyrant, all this, all the definitions, um, when we can introduce that in a children's book, it just makes it more friendly for the kids. And the really cool thing about that story is the children who illustrated it are all at Fairfield Magnet School for Math and Science, and Kimmy Daly is the art teacher there, and um, she took the story and had them illustrate it through paintings, and they're absolutely beautiful. So we're, um, we have it as a video now and, and working on printing it in, in book format, so that's the first really cool project. But then also to be able to donate books, the whole focus behind the nonprofit is art and literature and film and everything else. So we've been able to incorporate that into working with the kids and that's been a lot of fun one of my favorite projects was taking them to the kershaw county animal shelter at um the new their new location and they made little films of the animals and had them you know different personalities and talking and all that so it's we've had a good time with it it's been a lot of fun so if you haven't gathered yet that nature's view is a journey that we ended up on. And for many of the first years, it was about sort of it evolving into nature's view, um, which was mainly our journey. And then as you can tell, it got to this point to where Julianne, luckily for me, um, and I'm just saying that, has gotten on board and expanded it. And of course, what she was just talking about, 
<laughs> it is one of our projects or one of our many projects. And um, notice the silence on my part. <laughs> well, I think we each Which play is good. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, that, that, that's, see, that's the beauty of nature's view. Well, and the cool thing about it has been that um, I wasn't, I'm a teacher. I mean, I've been an educator for 32 years and um, was not a filmmaker and, you know, was kind of trucking along on my merry little way doing my artsy thing. So this gave me the opportunity to combine my loves of horses and the arts and kind of put them together into into something. So, you know, we have standards-based lessons that are all revolving around horses, and it's kind of cool to see when that comes together. You're listening to Winnie Tales, the official podcast of Nature's View and the Marley Project, brought to you by JA Media Productions. Okay, so I need to share with everybody this. It is Thursday, but this Thursday is Thanksgiving Thursday. And so myself and Mac and Man- Maddie went down the road and were picking up garbage all day, pretty much it seems like, on the side of the road while cooking the a Thanksgiving tur- turkey. On yep. a big green egg. And the big green egg that Julianne got us for Christmas. <laughs> so the point is that we just finished eating. <laughs> so the reason why I'm yawning, I'm tired from picking up garbage. No, that's a turkey tired. No, I, well, also, I, <laughs> as usual, I tried not to eat too much. As my friend Douglas Bennett back home saw the little picture of our turkey and it was like starting to pick on me already about he knew I was going to eat too much and so we did. <laughs> and now we're doing the podcast. Yeah. So every now and then I yawn, and which I'm going to do again. <laughs> Julianne keeps picking on me. So well, anyway. Okay. But it's a great time to do a podcast because this is our last one before we leave for the Equus Film and Arts Fest. Next week, this time, we will be doing, actually, we'll have two or three live podcasts um, broadcast from the film festival itself, which will be at the Kentucky Horse Park for the first time. Yeah, we're moving from New York to Kentucky, and I think it's a great move. So thanks to Lisa Dearson and everybody at Wrigley Media for that. Um, I can't wait. It is a great move, but I don't know. Coming from the islands, visiting New York for a short period of time, it's actually an interesting kind of jungle. Um, I sort of always enjoyed going to New York. And it's funny, I just found out that a friend of mine from Trinidad will be in New York during that period of time, which, unfortunately, we won't be there (laughs) because we will now be in Kentucky. Well, we'll just have to go to New York for a different reason. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to bend this girl's arm to go to New York because when she goes to New York, you know exactly where she's going to (laughs) go. We'll find a Broadway show. See, there you go. She will go straight to a Broadway show. Um, Anyway. but I am looking forward to broadcasting from the Equus Film and Arts Fest. And so we'll catch up with Diana DeRosa and, of course, Lisa Dearson again. We've had her on the podcast already, but we'll talk to her again and bunches of other folks as well. So, so everybody, happy Thanksgiving, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Yep, happy Thanksgiving. So as so. Squeaky Wagonscene says, bye for now. Is that what she says? Yeah, okay. bye for now. Have a good evening.